0: Welcome back. We continue over here with our Derich Hashem series, beginning another beautiful new Derich Hashem week, coming to you live from the Summerton Community Kailo of Summerton, Philadelphia. Beautiful Monday morning. And we are in Der Hashem Chalik Dalad, Dalad, toward the end now of Simenal. A very lengthy paragraph over here. This is, a, this is a journey. It's been a whole journey, just this paragraph. And it's Ramchal getting everything uh, assembled over here, building up his his presentation to, to uh, explain to us what Shema is all about. And so far he hasn't mentioned a word about Shema, um, but he's just build, building up idea upon idea over here, setting the stage for, hopefully today, uh, we will discover as we, he's going to come and bring everything back with one twist, one dramatic twist, and we're going to see that everything that he was describing was was uh, really all about Shema, what the function of Shema is. So let's just remind ourselves, what did he build up thus far? What have we seen him putting together over here? We saw was um, he's discussing the the understanding, really, the, the, the rationale and the explanation behind evil. That's really what he wanted to get to. But evil in terms of evil's existence and evil's power. Everything that's out there has an existence and has an effect, has a presence and has a power. That's the, those are the two properties of everything that's in creation, and evil none no, no less, no less so. Evil has an existence and evil has an effect. Why? And and and, and the other given over here was the Rebbeinu was ultimately sponsoring all of that existence and sponsoring all the effects. Zecher Baruch on the other side, on the other end of the of the. Um, pipeline over there. Hashem keeps everything in existence constantly, and Hashem is empowering everything, empowering and sponsoring everything, even as it's doing terrible, evil, wicked things. Why would the do that? He gave us two ideas. Two basic ideas to pocket over here, why the Rebbein Shalom would not just tolerate evil, not just allow evil, but actually sponsor evil. The first one was evil, maybe evil, but it's a necessary evil. Necessary to, to, as a means to an end, to bring the world to its objective, and it's uh, uh, we need in order to bring humanity klaisrul and Taylam haba, in order to make sure that there's a, a system, as we saw all the way in the beginning of the safer, a, a system that is um, watertight, airtight, and and um, just tight, tight, a system that is a, a, a sustainable. Um, self-contained, perfect, wholesome system that can allow everyone in creation to achieve their purpose, which is getting to the world to come. You have to have wrath. There has to be wrath. There has to be evil. And there has to be uh, a means of, of um, for, for so many different reasons, like we saw in the beginning of the Sefer. It has to be Bechira. First and foremost, there has to be free will. Reward is only meaningful if we have the ability to, to, to choose non-reward. You know, otherwise, it's, it's, it's meaningless. So there has to be bechir, there has to be free will. Free will necessitates a good choice and a bad choice. A bad choice necessitates bad things, necessitates evil. Then, in order to make sure that we can get everyone into ilam haba and have them... Uh, bask in the eternal delight of Alam Haba. we have to make sure that people get in there in a way that they're not coming in with any baggage which is in conflict with Alam Haba. we have to have a way of burning off purging them from their, from their um, taints and from their um, um, contaminations that can be built up in this world contaminations and taints would get in the way in the next world, so that's also another aspect of why we need evil, etc. And it goes on and on. There's a whole bunch of reasons why, just in order to maintain the brio, in order to keep the system running, there has to be evil, there has to be Ra in the world. So that's the first approach that we saw in in the beginning of this paragraph as to why the Rebbe maintains Ra, because it brings the world to... It's its objective, which is bring mankind, which is bring Klai towards Eilam Haba. You can't do any of that without rap. The second idea that we saw at the end of the week, this was a very big idea, much deeper idea, much deeper idea, that not only rap is needed and is necessary in order to bring humanity to its purpose, to its goal. The world's created and with 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 uh, humanity, with Klai populating the world, because there's an objective that we have for Klai we want klei, to get to haba, But there's an objective and a purpose for the world itself as well. The world has a purpose. Anything that's in creation has to have some kind of end goal and end result. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in creation. So we certainly have the center stage. The center stage of, of creation is klei, so that's us. We're at the center stage. Our goal, our purpose in existing is for us to get to haba. We can only get to ilam There's also going to be ra for all the aforementioned reasons. That's why Hashem maintains ra. The world also has a purpose. The world has an objective, and it's being created. The world has a reason for its existence, and the reason for the world's existence is to create a, a, a concept called Gilu Yehudai, Revelation of the Ultimate Oneness, of the Ultimate Unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Himself. The world is here to be a stage, to be a forum, to be a, a, a place to advertise the Oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Oneness of Hakarish Baruch Hu. Okay, so this is, again, this is a, a much deeper idea. And as we mentioned last week, it's an idea that, that is the topic, is the subject of an entire safer an entire work of the Ramchal. Um, and he's, he's really consolidating and boiling it down to one section in this paragraph. And that's the second idea of, of, of why there has to be evil. And that second idea, why there has to be evil, is in order for the world to achieve, to achieve its objective. The world was created to be a place where we advertise. We advertise God as one and one and only. Hashem wants His oneness, His unificationness, His onlyness, His singularity to be advertised to existence. Now we would ask, as we asked last week, why does that require rat? Why does that require evil? Let Hashem make a world. A world is something outside of God. Let him make something finite. And let him come and appear to this finite world. Come out to the balcony. Wave at everyone, as it were, so to speak. Say, Hi, everyone. I'm God. I made you all. I made the world. Here we go. Why does that necessitate an existence of Rap? And the Terence's Rabbi Isaiah, as we mentioned last week, and this is why this is such a deep idea and such a deep place to go, revealing Hashem to an existence outside of Hashem. As there being only a Hashem. Hashem is only one and only one. The only creator is only a revelation and only has any meaning to it if there would have been room to think otherwise. There has to have been room to have thought otherwise. There has to have been room to have been misled or to have misled oneself to have a different perception, a different understanding that perhaps there is something other than God. Perhaps there is an alternate approach to life, other than God's approach. Perhaps there is a valid existence outside of God's existence, and if there's room to think that way, there's room to perceive as such, and we say, nevertheless, Ein Nevertheless, in spite of what you may have thought, in spite of how things may appear, God is one and only one, that's called Gilu yuchude, that's called revealing God's oneness and God's unity. A revelation is only revelation, again, if, if, if there was room to have thought otherwise, Light is only appreciated when it comes into darkness, when it illuminates darkness. The darkness has to come before the light for the light to have any meaning, to have any substance, to have any significance to it. This is the second reason why there has to be evil in the world. Evil is there, Raz. there, the are ra, temptations. Even if they're only just temptations, but certainly if they're anything beyond temptation, a temptation is there in order for us to face that temptation, look it in the face, stare it in the eye, lock horns with it and say, you're tempting me with something that defies God, that goes outside of God's will, that goes against God's plan for me. You're, in short, tempting me with, with, with um, an alternate approach to life, outside of God's approach, with a yesh oid melvado, that there is another approach to life, other than what God wants for me. I'm going to look you in the eye, I'm going to stare you in the face. I'm going to shadow you with a resounding... No, there is no other way to go. This is wrong. this is, a, this is, this is a, a farce, this is a facade. this is meaningless, this is insubstantial. The only true reality, the only true path in life is God's. That's when we do this on our own we're doing a, a microcosmic anoid movade. We're doing our own anoidmov. we're doing our own statements of there's nothing no will outside of God's will. there's no existence outside of God's existence. there's no reality outside of God's reality. And that brings the world bit by bit, step by step, one, clo- one step closer at a time to the ultimate revelation at the end of days. But again, the bottom line over here is, we're mixing a few things together right now, the bottom line is that in the second approach, which is the deeper approach, the reason behind the existence of Ra is in order for the world to be equipped with the ability to reveal the oneness of God, the unification of God. In order to do that, there has to be room to perceive the opposites. There has to be room to see that maybe there's an absence of God, maybe God's not always there, maybe there's room to defy God, maybe there's room to do my own thing. There's an existence outside of God's existence. Once there's room to see it like that, then the revelation of God means something. Then there's a revelation. Then there's a Kilo <laughs> Yechudoi. comes in and says no, it was really me all along. It was really me the whole time. There's nothing other than me. And that's going to come in its fullest sense, in its fullest form. At the end of days, we should be zayik to see v'yameinu. We'll have the ultimate gilu yichudai. Mala artzas deos Hashem um, that the whole world will be filled with knowledge, with revelation, with clarity of the unity of God. But remember, remember that we, on our own, have the ability to do this every single day. Every time we do the right thing, when we could have done the, right thi- the wrong thing. Every time we make a good decision, when we could have made a bad decision, we make that good decision because we have clarity that this is really not just the right way to go, it's the only way to go, and the other way of going, the bad way of going, the bad decision, is a, a mere facade, is a temptation which is, which is hollow and, and, and meaningless and really um, insubstantial. Every time we do the right thing and, 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 and we say that this is the right way to go, we're making a declaration of the only true will is God's will, the only true way to go in life is God's way in life, we're doing that a little bit on our own, and we're, that's why every single time we do that act of good bechir, we're bringing Mashiach a step closer, because that's ultimately what Mashiach is all about, is this, is this great and final and total revelation. So anyway, anyway, th- this necessitates Ra. Ra has to exist in order to show everyone that it was really God all along, that you were wrong. You thought there was, there was, a, there was another approach to life. You thought, you know, like Esav thought, that uh, like Hamalik thinks... That that we can do our own thing, and th- that's a, we can defy God, and that's a equally valid alternative. Kamash Milan, no, ain't oyd milvadoi. There really was only one way to go, and the greater the ra exists, it's only setting up for a greater revelation. It's only setting up for a greater revelation. Okay, so this builds on what we concluded with last week. And now we're ready to bring everything back, all of the above. The, the entire summary, everything that we saw in Simon Aleph is now going to be brought back to Kriya Shema. So now we're going to spin everything around and hopefully have a much richer, deeper, and more meaningful understanding and appreciation of what we're doing when we say Shema. So let's see. Let's see. Here we go. We're again towards the end of Aleph now. Umnam, where it says Omnam. Umnam Yisrael shezachu. So this is at the place where it says Amnam Yisrael Shazachu. It's right after it says, right after Rebbe writes Kmoishah Kaza Bayimu Again, Dalad Aleph towards the end of Aleph. Amnam Yisrael Shazachu. Everybody got it? It's in the second-to-last paragraph. It's in the second-to-last paragraph in the Mascoitz edition of Derech Hashem over here. The Kailu edition. The Kailu edition. <laughs> Amnam. However, Yisrael shezachul who has re, who we have received the 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 um, truth of the Torah and the Torah which is absolute truth. hazeh. We know the truth. We're not misled. We're not swayed. We're not confused by the proliferation of evil and wickedness that we see going on in the world. We're not misled by that. We're not, we're not, we're not bogged down by the questions that everyone asks. How can, all the, how, how can there be a God if there was a Holocaust? How can there be a Holocaust if there's a God? No, we know the truth. We know that we need, for whatever reason, Rahman that needs to be suffering, A, to bring Christ to Islam Abba, but B, to bring the world to its, the world to its revelation of Enum Avad. We know all this. We know this. We're not thrown off. We know the truth, we testify to the truth. We know the truth, and therefore we testify to the truth. That's what, what the Passock tells us. You, says Hashem to the Klyisrael, you are my witnesses. Thus saith God. This is a tremendous chus to us to be the witnesses, to bear testimony to this. So, this is starting to lay the foundations now. He's pouring the cement for Shema, finally. And the first foundation, the first cornerstone that he's putting down over here is an interesting idea that he's he's kind of slipping out there, which is, if you know something, you have an obligation to testify to it. Knowledge, knowledge is not just empowering, but knowledge is obligating. With knowledge comes an obligation. With knowledge comes the obligation to share that knowledge. It's a fascinating thought. But he kind of said that very casually he said that, not in very many words, but he, he again, he slips it out there. We know the truth, we made the love, therefore we testify to the truth. Why, why do we have to testify just because I know the truth? We'll keep that truth carefully guarded, we'll be the elite of society, we'll be the secret underground group within society, a sub-society, that we know the truth and we don't share the truth with, any, with anyone. The Ramchal makes it clear that no, that there's no such possibility. And if we know the truth, we have to advertise the truth. We have to testify to the truth. So again, said differently, knowledge, knowledge, compels us to share that knowledge. Part of having knowledge is is the responsibility, the responsibility to share that knowledge, and that creates. If we, if we, let, let's let's start smaller on a smaller scale. There's such a beautiful idea you know, that, that applies to any knowledge that we have. Any, any truth. Knowledge of truth. Okay? When we know the truth, we have a responsibility to share that truth. If Someone learns Torah. Someone knows an area of Torahs. He has a responsibility to share that. He, he's, he, has, he has knowledge. He has a responsibility to share that knowledge. You come home. You learn something new today. You share it with your wife. You share it with your kids. You share it with people around you. Share it, to, share it with um, a coworker. Share it with a Haver, a friend. Share it with Chavrusa. What, with Keith? Share with Keith, kids. sure. Share kids. with kids too, right? Kids. Share it with you. Share it. Knowledge, not just because we're excited about what we know, not just because, you know, when you know something amazing that uplifted you, you're excited to share it, you have responsibility to share it. Responsibility, Torah is here to 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 shape the world, to, to you know to, to bioform, um, bioform, terraform, terraform, to change the world, to shape the world. Um, and if I have a bit of Torah, I have an obligation now to use that Torah to to do some terraforming over here. It's a responsibility that comes with knowledge. Therefore, that's not just knowledge of a halacha, a good word on the parsha, an interesting gemara that I learned this morning. It's also the Torah knowledge of the reality of the world. When we peel back the surface, and we have insight understanding now into how the world works and what makes the world tick, which is everything we had so far in Aleph, the, truth, the truthful, timeless take of the Torah that gives us that perspective, and how to understand suffering, how to understand horrible headlines, chas v'sham. Again, that we, should, we don't want to have, to have to read ever again horrible headlines but when there's terrible horrible news the truth in how to understand that that's also part of Torah and that's also the truth, the timeless truth of Torah and when we know that, or we who know that why there's evil, why there has to be wickedness in the world and the correct take on all that wrath the correct take on, 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 on um, all the powers of evil we have an obligation to disseminate that, to advertise that and to testify to that good and that this is building up to Shema. Shema is, is gonna be this testimonial. Shema is our te- is our testimonial to the truth that we that we are aware of and therefore is gives us a responsibility to share. Here is cornerstone number two that's gonna go into Shema now. That's gonna transition us from all the ideas and information that we had into directly into plugging that into Shema. The world has two has two time frames of activity. And this, wow, this has to do with what we were talking about this morning. In Mesechah's Psachem right? We were talking about the day in the Beis HaMikdash. I was thrown off a little bit by the, the, the cheshven of the, the hours. We said, the Beis HaMikdash, there's the, the daytime day. Day in the base of is, is is daylight day. That's the, the day in the basin of is daytime from sunrise to sunset. We know that the day, the Jewish day, breaks down into two zones, two time frames. There's daylight and nighttime. Daytime and, and, and nighttime from sunrise to sunset, from sunset to sunrise. And that's not coincidental. That's not just a convention of dividing the day up into two regions because sometimes it's light and sometimes it's dark. No, it is essential. It is um, a an um, integral part of how the world works. HaKash Baruch set up that the day should have two regions, daytime and nighttime. It's There's daytime and nighttime because the world is run with a different Hanhaga during the day than it is during the night. There's how the world is run and what's going on in the world during the daytime in terms of how it's governed um, from on high. And, and how the world is governed during the nighttime, The daytime governance and nighttime governance, um, two different hanahagas, two different ways of of um, of, of uh, Hashem running the world and the activities that are going on in the world. Like we said um, earlier in the sefer, in the third section, that is what happens during the world during the daytime. Again, what happens at night? And what's going on? Says the Ramchal, "V'chol biker, v'chol eruv mizchatsim hasadurim v'mishmarz let's have kiddushim, be kifisay Every twenty-four hours, the world, the universe, is renewed, and Hashem leads, governs, and recreates the world again, from the very top down to the very bottom. The very top, the malachim, the koyches, uh, the the spiritual." powers, the spiritual beings and agencies that are up there all the way down to the very bottom, to to, to the realm of the physical. And we're recreating and re-infusing the universe with its hanhaga, with how it's led and directed and governed by the Rebbein Shalom, both through the nighttime hanhagas and daytime hanhagas. And the way we're going to see something interesting emerge over here is um, in terms of the, the, we see there's a cycle, a daily cycle. A daily cycle that the world, is, every 24 hours, is renewed by the Rebbein it, re, it cycles and it recycles. And that cycling and recycling um, is recreating the world, going through a whole cycle of creation and recreation every 24 hours. That cycle begins, as Stan mentioned earlier this morning in Psachem, it begins with the nighttime and it ends with the end of the day. It goes from night to day, from night to day. Hashem's cycle of creating and recreating every 24 hours goes from night time to the end of the day. The beginning of the night to the end of the next day. That's the, the cycle of creation from Hashem's perspective. From our perspective, however, there's a different cycle. Our day, if we would want to look at the day and the daily cycling, and every day that repeats that cycle, from our perspective, our, when does our day begin? I don't mean the Jewish day. Don't get from, rabbis. I'm not asking a question to see how from we are. I mean, the morning, us is the morning. very when good. When we wake up. That's when we wake up, exactly. So the from answer is, what do you mean? The day begins at night. Everybody knows that. Shabbos begins at night time. Pesach begins at nighttime. time. Hanukkah begins at night time. Rishchadesh begins at night time. Everybody knows that. You know, the next day begins at night. That's true. That's true, but that's really the halachic day, and the halachic day represents God's day. God's day begins at night. Our day begins in the morning, like I'm saying when we wake up. Our day goes from morning to evening when we go to sleep. From when we wake up till we go to sleep. So, something very interesting is going to emerge based on that dichotomy in terms of how to understand Shema. Okay? So, Shema is there um, to go together with the daily cycling of the world. The world is recreated every day. From top to bottom, and, and the, e- the daytime components of, of, of the world and the nighttime components of the world are recreated on a 24 hour basis. And all the powers and all the agencies in creation are recreated, reinfused with energy every 24 hours the nighttime agencies and the daytime agencies. Being that, Okay, there's two givens at this point, that the Ram is going to combine, which is going to create, well really three givens, okay? Three givens that the Ram is going to combine, which is going to now produce Shema. Shema and how Shema works. The three givens are, the world's create every 24, recreate every 24 hours, everything that, that goes into the universe, all powers and forces and agents and agencies, and what they can do from the top to bottom is recreate every 24 hours. Given number two, that breaks down into two basic categories, daytime agents and agencies and powers, and nighttime powers and agencies. Given number three is that those who know the truth, that's Klai have a responsibility to share the truth, to disseminate the truth, and to testify to this truth to the world. So putting that all together, says the Rav We have an obligation, we have a sacred duty to testify to the world The truths of Hashem's ultimate unified existence across all of its uh, 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 its categories and everywhere it exists, in all levels, all fronts, all areas of existence, we have to testify to the oneness of Hashem, the unity of Hashem. Doesn't mean all aspects of existence means both just in terms of basic existence existence which we mentioned all the way through this paragraph that there's just so many existences outside of Hashem's existence we have to testify a that all this existence is really just God it's Hashem's existence B we have to testify to Hashem's authority, Hashem's power, Hashem's energy, that anything out there, even though it looks like it wields its own power, it looks like it has its own abilities and its own effects. It's really Hashem's abilities, Hashem's effects, Hashem's empowerment, constantly being channeled through that, those powers. And third of all, Han ha'anhogah. That Hashem, the third aspect of what we're testifying to in, in this truth of the testimony that we give on a daily basis is how the world is run. How the world is run. Um, hmm, we're, we're already getting ourselves into, we're, 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 we're chewed off big chunks over here big mouthfuls of, of information that really needs to be digested and broken down. But you know what, Let, let's go for it. Let's just read to the end of the paragraph and then we'll try to maybe just wrap this up. The third aspect that goes across the entirety of creation is the the governance, the running of creation. Running the show. Even though there's so much going on, so much activity, so much at work, so much that's running a Mac in creation, from, with, with all of the above powers and and agents and activities. Nevertheless, the one running the show and the objective, the goal of everything in creation and activity, is one and only one. It's Hashem and only Hashem that's governing, running, and maintaining every everything towards one. Unified, one and only, singular purpose, which is the ultimate revelation of Hashem, bring the world to its completion and bring humanity and Klal to Eilam Haba. That's the ultimate purpose behind everything. Even though, even though this, all of this, is not apparent, it's not clear, it's not discernible. And it's not apparent in the sense that if you look at it, the world, you can't really just look at the world and, and um, figure all this out on your own. That everything that's going on is A, it's Hashem's existence, B, it's Hashem's power, and C, it's Hashem running the show. Nevertheless, this is the reality, whether, even, even if it's not apparent. And it will ultimately yet be revealed and yet be known to the entire world. Period. Okay, that wraps up the paragraph. That, that was a lot. He said a lot. That we have to, I think, digest this just a bit. Um, we're not ready to move on to Bayes yet. Um, and it's it's late already. Today is late. Um, I'll maybe just like sp- to speak out a, a couple of ideas just to help us digest what the Ramchal said and how this goes directly back into Shema. Um so essentially what we see going on is like this. The, the Ramchal, there was like an explosion really at the end of this paragraph. And the Ramchal, it was a very long paragraph. He built up idea upon idea upon idea upon idea. And then in a dramatic twist, he spun everything around. He showed us how this is really what Shema was all along. And that was this huge explosion where two, three, four ideas are combined and produce a Shema. So th- this short version of what just happened is... And we'll, uh, we'll we'll begin with this again tomorrow. We'll elaborate on this tomorrow and take it into into base because we're we're still talking about Shema. There's still he still has a whole bunch of paragraphs left. He's going to go into a lot of different aspects of Shema. Um, the, the short version of what just happened is Rabbi say that the 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 in the packet thumbnail the thumbnail definition of Shema is to is to address the world and to reveal what's concealed. To give the entire world the inside take on reality. That's what Shema is all about. And the inside take on, on reality. To testify to the inside take on reality. And to do that twice a day. Twice a day, he, he, he dropped a few ideas. You know, part of with all the, the, the pyrotechnics over here were dropping ideas why it's twice a day, DAFCO. We'll have to get back to that also tomorrow. Um, But twice a day to address the world and tell the world um, the reality of the world. And to take a world which advertises anything but the reality of what's going on behind the scenes. To take a universe which currently in this state is, is proclaiming, if anything, the very opposite of the, uh, of the underlying nature, which is, it seems that this world is so crazy, so out of control, is so far from the unity and the, and the oneness and the will of God, and to, to testify to, to the entire universe, to the entire um, world, to everyone that's out there, that, that observes this world together with us, that not only, not only you're wrong, not only you're wrong in terms of your perception of the world, but it's the very opposite of what it looks like. The entire world is the very opposite. We are the spokespeople of the, the objective, ultimate truth and reality of this world, and we call that testimony. We call that testimony. So let's, just, like, let, let, let's conclude with this idea for today, and we'll let it hang on this idea of testimony. We'll continue with this tomorrow to try to put the whole Shema together, based on, and, uh, again, this explosion of ideas um, that just happened at the end of this paragraph. Let's, let's just conclude with the idea of testimony. Um, testimony, the function of testimony always is there to take a situation where where there's anything but the truth, anything but the facts. A, a profusion of, of um, biases and vested interests and arguments and canter arguments and, and um, people looking out for themselves and to slice through all that and just to, to get to the very core and to push all that off to the sidelines and to say, no, this is actual objective reality. That's what Eidus always is. That's what testimony is. And in Besden, the function of testimony in Besden was Besden here before the witnesses walk in. Two, we, we have two litigants in Besden. What is best in here? They hear a story, they hear about an incident. This guy, Ruvain, hit Shimon's car. Shimon's ox gored Ruvain's cow. Levy borrowed money from Shimon and repaid a debt to Ruvain. And, and he says he never got the money, he says he did get the money, he says these were the terms. He says those were the terms. We hear two, three, four, five different versions of reality. And it's a... a profusion of a lot of different versions of reality, and B, different versions of reality that are all coming from people, each one with their own biases, and each one with their own vested interests. That's what's going on in a besdin, in, in a court of law, when we just have the litigants. Everyone has their own biases, and, and everyone's, even when people believe they're Ehrlich, people who come in as, as good, upstanding citizens, it's impossible for someone not to have even a minute spin on, on what happened because of their own vested interests and their own the what they 'll choose to say, what they 'll choose not to say, how they 'll choose to say it there 's always even the most Ehlich, the most upstanding person of, of the highest integrity you know there 's going to be a slight degree of, of of the facts being slightly spun, even even just maybe via omission or or, 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 or what he chooses to accentuate. Based on his vested interest, based on his biases. The ADEM come in. The witnesses come in. The witnesses who were really there, who know what really happened, they reveal to Bez and they reveal to everyone who's present the actual facts on the ground what really, really, really happened. Objective truth, objective reality. They cut through all the different versions that are born of, of people. Um, having their own vested interests and having their own biases. And they give us objective, undeniable, incontrovertible, hardcore truth, actual fact, actual reality. That's what testimony always is. That's what we're doing the Shema twice a day. We present to a world that you know, sees what it sees. It sees wickedness. It sees evil. It sees a proliferation, a profusion of so many different versions of reality. I, life should be lived this way. Life should be lived this way. Life should be lived this way. Everyone with their own nagis, with their own bias, with their own vested interest. We come atom adai with Shema, and we're presenting the world objective reality, unbiased, un- unhindered, untainted reality. That's what Shema is. Okay, that's the beginning of Shema. It's, it's to cut to the core of, of the objective take on reality and to just like that, in one fell swoop, dismiss all of the alternative understandings of reality, and to advertise the real reality based on where everyone else can and has gone wrong. So, this brings us to a, a point, a pausing point. We will pause over here, we will continue with Shemiz Baruch tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll wrap this up with the, the twice a day aspect of Shema, and the three different, uh, the, the three different addresses of the testimony, and, um, with, uh, you know, try to tie up all the loose ends at the Ramchal, throw it all the way to the end, and hopefully we'll be able to continue to base also. Okay, everyone should, in the meantime, have a wonderful today. Thank you for joining.